Hello and welcome to the Apologetics 315 podcast with your hosts, Brian Auten and Chad Gross. Join us for conversations and interviews on the topics of apologetics, evangelism, and the Christian worldview. The Horn of Gondor. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Brian Auten. And I'm here with Chad Gross, and in store for you today, we have a veritable cornucopia. In fact, Chad, a horn of plenty, a bounty of (laughs) topics today. You know, we haven't done a cornucopia in quite a long time, so I'm pretty excited about this. I think you should title the podcast that, so when it comes up in people's feed, it just says, A Horn of Plenty. Yes. I think you should. Yes, I like that. I like that idea. The Horn of Gondor. (laughs) See, look, you already have a quote for the beginning of the podcast. There you oh, go. Yes. Good, good. A lot of topics today, including upcoming guests, current reading, reflections on a couple of past interviews, any news from the world of Gozer, if there is any, and sadly, my passing of the torch to Chad. We'll get to that. But first, <laughs> uh, Chad, can you talk to us about the Defenders Conference coming up soon? Yeah. I just wanted to remind everybody that in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Um, By the way, for those of you that don't know, I learned this a long time ago. People that are from Wisconsin, they get very offended if you pronounce it Wisconsin. Um, I I learned that. (laughs) Yes, I, I, at some point or in my early 20s, for some reason, I was calling it uh, Wisconsin. And, and I don't, I don't know why I just was. And, uh, I actually was in the presence of somebody who was from there and uh, he took great offense and reprimanded me quite harshly. And so they don't like that, man. Don't mispronounce that. But anyway, in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, March 17th through the 19th, uh, there is going to be the annual Defenders Conference. And uh, you can find out all the information there on the defendersconference.com. It's going to be a great time to really dig deep into the doctrine of hell. There's also going to be some breakout sessions, uh, topics such as the historical St. Patrick's, since, of course, it's going to be St. Patrick's Day. Jesus is the, as a master thinker is the topic I'll be speaking on. The afterlife and the cults will be a topic. Discerning the culture, why apologetics? Discerning your calling, ambassadors for Christ, and also building your leadership team of staff and students. And so it's going to be a great time. There's also going to be an ice cream social. So mm-hmm. if any other reason you should come, there's going to be an ice cream social. Wow. Also, if you're listening and you want to have a table there with materials and things, uh, if you want to sponsor the event, you can find out more about it at the defendersconference.com. That's that's all for me. Hey, I got a quick question for you before we continue into the Horn of Plenty. What is the weather like over there these days? You know, today was real nice. My daughter and I went out one wheeling in the uh, forest and it was really fun. Nice, Man, I'm telling you, I am so frustrated with the weather over here and we have had the wackiest weather, the wackiest winter, and I hate it. Uh, I, I am at a place where I'm ready for it. I usually like winter. I am at a place where I am just ready for it to warm up and just get past it because I'm not even getting any snow, man. It's just 
Hey, it's spring. No, it's winter. Hey, it's spring. No, it's winter. It's so annoying. So anyway, I was just, I'm just venting yeah, and I was curious yeah. if you guys were experiencing that. It's been a little colder this week, but, um, but it was nice today. Sunny. It was cold, but sunny and that warmed it up. So. Right. Anyway, people were probably wondering about my passing of the torch to you. Yeah, they're probably concerned, man. So, you know, I heard someone ask, uh, you know, on Twitter or something, say, Chat GPT lied about me. So I, I thought, oh, it, it knows about people. So I asked mm -hmm. Chat GPT, who is Brian Otten? And then it's like, well, hey, I don't know people unless you're more specific. So I said, who is Brian Otten, the apologetics person? Like, uh, maybe if I associate it with apologetics. And it told me, and it concerned me. <laughs> I'll read it to you here. Uh, Ryan Otten was an influential Christian apologist who founded the website Apologetics 315 in 2007. <laughs> so my first thought was, I'm washed up, has been, and no one's listening. Right. The, web, the right. website was dedicated to providing resources and training for Christians interested in apologetics, which is the practice of defending the Christian faith through reasoned arguments and evidence. Good definition. Through Apologetics 315, Brian Otten hosted interviews with leading Christian apologists, compiled lists of recommended books and resources, and provided a forum for discussion among Christians interested in apologetics. His work helped to popularize and promote the discipline of apologetics within the Christian community, and his legacy continues to influence many Christians today. Wow. Sadly, sadly, <laughs> Brian Otten passed away in 2019 at the age of 45. His contributions to the field of Christian apologetics, however, continue to be remembered and celebrated by those who were inspired by his work. So I guess Chat GPT thinks I'm dead. Wow. And uh, so that's why we're passing on the torch to Chad. Well, thanks, man. This is very like I'm getting kind of some Terminator vibes. You know, does Chat, <laughs> Chat yeah. GPT know something that we don't? Wait, know? did you just say Chad GPT? Uh, no, no, oh, no, no. Okay. I said just chat. I said okay. chat. Okay. okay, okay, all right, just all make right. sure. Yeah, I haven't been assimilated. So how's it feel to read about your own, I mean, obviously you've had an impact, which that must be encouraging. Obviously your first question is, how is Elvis? And <laughs> have you seen him lately? I mean, that's my <laughs> yeah, first question. Yeah, yes. No, you know, it was actually kind of like a little bit depressing. Like I, I felt my mortality because it was like reading my own obituary for a second there. Like what if well, I got hit by a car a couple years ago? What would my life have been? Well, you're inspiring me right now, even though you're dead. I mean, come on. Oh, okay. Well, that being said, let's move on. <laughs> for our listeners out there, just talking about some of the upcoming guests. Next week, we'll be talking to Justin Brierley. From the yes. UK's unbelievable radio program. You can go to premierchristianradio.com slash shows slash unbelievable. But we're going to be talking to him about his latest book, Unbelievable, Why After 10 Years of Talking with Atheists, I'm Still a Christian. Justin's been doing that radio program probably for over 15 years now, I'm, I'm guessing. He's been doing that program, and it just can, continues to maintain a really, really high standard, you know, bringing uh, believers and unbelievers alike, skeptics and saints together, so to speak, and having really good conversations about issues of faith, the existence of God, and sometimes some sort of ecumenical disagreements and things like that between um, believers on controversial topics or doctrinal topics. If you want to hear both sides from notable defenders of each side, it's a great starting place. Like it's got to be on your top five podcasts to listen to, you know? 
Yeah, I started the book. Uh, obviously, I've listened to Unbelievable for years, and uh, I really am excited about talking with Justin. If you would have asked me for a top 10 list of people to interview, Justin probably would have been on the list for me personally. And I'm enjoying his book quite a bit. Uh, one of the things I've kicked around an idea of doing is teaching arguments and evidences for Christianity from like an elementary school perspective. Yeah. Uh, how would I teach these arguments like an elementary school teacher? Because one of the things I continually hear from people that I talk to about apologetics is that it's difficult or the terminology, they stumble over the terminology or how do I explain this to somebody else? Those kind of things. And there are some illustrations in the book that I'm thinking those would be really good to kind of mm -hmm. incorporate into explaining some of the arguments. They're very clear. They're very accessible. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the book and looking forward to talking to him. I did. I did want to tell you that whenever I'm thinking of questions I want to ask a guest, I always have the more serious questions, but then there's always kind of some corny ones or some silly ones that pop into my head that I typically, I very rarely have asked. But one of the, one of the questions that I thought about asking Justin is, all right, so when you have Peter Atkins on, is he actually that grouchy or is he more <laughs> a little more friendly when he's not debating? Because uh -huh. I just I just every time he has Peter Atkins on, I just think, why are you having him on? I mean, he, he is just he seems to think anyone, anybody that believes in God is just ridiculous. And, you know, I was l listening to his debate the other day with uh, Hugh Ross on mm -hmm. Unbelievable and Hugh Ross would make a statement and, and, you know, I don't agree with everything Hugh Ross says, of course, and he would make a statement. <laughs> Peter Atkins would just say stuff like, no, it's not. No, it is not. It does not. And, and he just seemed like just annoyed that Hugh would even make the suggestion. And so uh, that's one of the questions I'd always want to ask him is, is, is he, is he any friendlier when the camera's mm. not on or, yeah. you know, so anyway, yeah, I'm looking forward to interviewing him. It should be fun. Yeah. If you're interested in a previous interview with Justin back from the olden days, just look through the archive and you'll see it in the in the podcast feed. But after you've been talking with atheists and skeptics every week for, you know, 10 years straight, what, what do you come away with? What have you learned about the existence of God? Why? Hey, you're still a Christian. Why is that when you've when you've heard all the strongest arguments against Christianity? So that'll be up for next week. After that, we've got Steve Kozar coming on from the YouTube channel. The messed up church. I always admire people like Steve Kozar because they are able to spend a tremendous amount of time on the topics that I just find very difficult to spend a lot of time watching or addressing because of various reasons uh, I've talked about before on the podcast. But yeah, that should be an interesting one. In case you haven't heard of the YouTube channel, The Messed Up Church, have a have a watch you know, we're warning warning you about these interviews ahead of time so that you can read the book and then listen along with the interview, but also so that you can check out the YouTube channels uh, and, you know, see what the guests are creating and what their sort of outreach is about. Anyway, the YouTube channel, The Messed Up Church, is basically one that exposes the error of false teachings, if you will. So you'll find, for example, videos on the Word of Faith movement, uh, specific excerpts of what certain false teachers are teaching, things about the prosperity gospel, aspects of the New Apostolic Reformation, NAR, and a lot of the most, I would say, damaging teachings that need to be exposed 
and called out. And the thing is, often it's in a style that's poking fun and mocking some of the teachings, deservedly so. I don't know, what's your impression when you see, Chad, when you see videos that are like making fun of uh, prosperity preachers or things like that? What's your impression when you see some of these videos? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I typically uh, don't have that approach myself as far as the, the mocking or the kind of making fun of a view. Uh, just because that's just not my approach in the sense of I want to try to just address it as whether or not the view is true or false and leave it at that. However, I do think that in a sense of especially when you're dealing with some of this word of faith stuff and some of the new apostolic reformation stuff, especially after our interviews with um, Holly Pivik and Doug Guybet, that uh, some of it is ridiculous and uh, some of it is just bizarre and I think that when people like Mr. Kozar point that out and uh, ridicule or make fun of it, it, it is a way of at least letting the unbelieving community see that, that Christians see, there are many Christians that see this stuff just as ridiculous and just as worthy of ridicule as they do. And one of my concerns with the New Apostolic Reformation, Word of Faith, and, and the, you know, people of the ilk of you know, Kenneth Copeland or somebody like that is, is that a lot of people view Christianity that way. And so I think if someone can go on Kozar's channel and see that, oh, here's a Christian that thinks it's just as silly as I am, maybe that will help remove some stumbling blocks. Maybe that will help them look into, well, I wonder what that guy believes. If that's not Christianity, what is Christianity? And so I think there's a place for it, but I think ridicule, mocking, joking. I mean, I think of this too in, in regard to like David Wood and some of the stuff he's done with Islam. I think it should be a tool, but I don't think it should be our only tool. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this because I thought, well, if a non-believer was making this video, uh, what would I think if I was in that? Because I used to be in like more of a hyper charismatic background um, right. where I was seeing a lot of this stuff happen and just didn't question it and was in, you know, basically up in it and so i think if an if i saw an unbeliever making this video just to mock i would have said well they're gonna persecute jesus they're gonna persecute me you know i should expect this and the, the world doesn't understand but if it were a christian making the video and saying you're being silly th this is not in the bible and then showing the actual teaching countering it with scripture and what the Bible really says and demonstrating how these verses are being taught out of context or things are being brought in external to the Bible, like, you know, Napoleon Hill things or, you know, success principles or sort of new age practices. If those things can be demonstrated to me when I was in that, I'd be like, okay, I need to rethink my views because I'm not thinking about Christianity right. And so, that sort of mockery would have shaken me and mm -hmm. uh, got my attention. In a good way. Yeah, yeah, in a good way. So in that sense, and, and the, I got to admit, some of the, the videos Steve makes are, are pretty entertaining. And so it's not like you're watching this as a chore. So it's not like you're watching these videos thinking, oh, well, let me invest a half hour or 20 minutes to you know learn right. about what's being taught in these churches. No, it's more like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, your jaw drops and you're like, what is going on? And then throughout you get a laugh or two, but then you're like, okay, yeah, that's what this, here's what the scripture really says. Here's one thing that came to my mind, Chad. Um, some people might take offense at the mocking and, and of these teachers and teachings saying something like, oh, okay, it might be 
not to be correct teaching, but you need to be nice. And I thought, well, tell that to the Apostle Paul. You look in Galatians 1 verses 8 and 9. Even mm. if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. And then he repeats it. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what we, you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So Paul didn't have any problem pronouncing curses on someone who was, he said, this, they're not preaching the gospel. They're mm-hmm. preaching something different, a false gospel, another gospel, one that if you embrace this and this follow these teachings, they will take you far from Christ. Well, and I think it would be fair too to add on to add on to that that Jesus was pretty harsh with religious leaders who were distorting the truth, yeah, or adding to the truth, right? Um, yeah. He certainly didn't hold back, and and he wasn't he wasn't above saying things such as. Uh, have you been with me so long and you still don't understand? Sometimes I think the whole nice Jesus thing is taken to the level of, oh, he was like Mr. Rogers. And that's just not the sense you get when you read the Gospels. Yeah. At any rate, we'll be talking to Steve Kozar about his work and a little about maybe the history behind things like the Word of Faith movement, prosperity gospel, and how these things can morph, you know, where you end up. Now we have the New Apostolic Reformation and things like that. So we'll be looking at some of Steve Kozar's work. And in the meantime, we'll, we'll link to some of these things in the show notes so you can check them out. But he's also an absolutely amazing watercolor artist. If you look oh. for hyper-realism, hyper-realism in watercolor, and you look at his paintings, it looks like just a photograph. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. Another interview coming up on the horizon is Paul Gould. He'll be coming on... Uh, returning. He was on with us for episode 041, talking about cultural apologetics. So this one, we'll be talking about a newer book of his called A Good and True Story, 11 Clues to Understanding Our Universe and Your Place in It. Have you started that one yet, Chad? Yeah, I have. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying a few things about it. First of all, he, he remember, he, I mean, gosh, I can't believe how long ago it's been, but back when we were talking to our friend Kenneth Samples and he was talking about how people were beginning to ask the question, not so much is Christianity true, but is Christianity good? In in this book, Gold is approaching the question of Christianity from demonstrating that these 11 earmarks or 11 realities that we experience uh, show that Christianity is is good, true, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, it does make of a very attractive apologetic. So I really appreciate that about it. The second thing I appreciate is there's a lot of evidence in it that he's moved beyond, um, say, your new atheists, which I was gratified to see. And he's interacting with people like uh, Eric Wielenberg and and people like that, who I, I think are more worthy of a response and, and more worthy of engagement And so I'm really appreciating that aspect as well. So that should be a great interview. Well, his book looks at clues that suggest Christianity is not only true, but satisfies our deepest longings. For those readers looking for culturally informed apologetics, this is the book for them. And again, link in the show notes. Go check it out so you can be ready for that interview. It's not a long book. It's about 170 pages, I think, if memory serves correct. I don't have it here in front of me, but it's it's not a huge time commitment. Uh, in regard to some of the other books that we've talked about on the podcast. Yeah. Well, speaking of cultural apologetics, 
Are there any other kinds of apologetics? Yes, literary apologetics. And that's why we'll be interviewing Holly Ordway uh, not too long from now. She's been on the podcast before about her book, Not God's Type. She's basically an atheist academic. And God found her in the midst of her of, of academia. And her whole approach is let's find ways of doing apologetics and making a case for the Christian faith through literature and how we can look at that. Her newest book that we'll be talking about is Apologetics and the Christian Imagination, an Integrated Approach to Defending the Faith. You know, if you think, well, I know everything about apologetics, I can give you the teleological argument, the cosmological argument, the Kalam cosmological, you know, I can give you all the arguments and I can respond to the problem of evil. But yeah, well, how can you integrate something like the Christian imagination into your defense of your faith? The things, things like the cultural apologetics that we're getting into with Paul Gould. There are the arguments, but there are also those things that appeal and satisfy our deepest longings. And things like story, things like Tolkien's universe that point to themes that uh, run throughout our lives and grab us when we encounter those stories. Things of heroism, things of sacrifice, things of redemption, things like that. Those things are woven throughout these great stories and in the gospel. And so, you know, she's even, oh man, she's releasing this book later this year. And I've already like said, we have to talk about this. Uh, he's, yeah. She's, her new book's coming out called Tolkien's Faith, a spiritual biography. And talking all about J.R.R. Yeah. Tolkien and, and basically how he became a Christian and how his faith has influenced his writings. And for those people who are into, you know, Middle Earth, she's got another book on Tolkien called Tolkien's Modern Reading, Middle Earth Beyond the Middle Ages. But I love Tolkien. I've been reading all this stuff in the past uh, number of months. And when certain memories from those books, when they come to my mind, they just grab me and make me almost tear up mm. because of what happens. There's themes there that if you can grab someone by the heart, so to speak, using those themes because they resonate and they're connected with who we are then there's a reason for that. There are redemptive themes we need to connect people back to the gospel with. So that'll be a real fun conversation with Holly Ordway. And check out in the show notes for the links to the book we'll be talking about. Well, and you know, Brian, a couple, uh, I just wanted to share a couple thoughts there. I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to talking to her about the apologetics and the Christian imagination, because I freely confess that that is a uh, blind spot in my own approach to apologetics. Uh, I don't necessarily think that way. I want premises and arguments. and But I think when you're in conversation and you're talking to people, being able to grab people by the heart, as you said, and then being able to uh, provide those arguments as well is, is such a powerful way to approach discussion, especially obviously the, the themes in Tolkien's writings allow you to do that. Secondly, though, uh, what I would love to do is ask Holly about your favorite show on Amazon Prime, Rings of Power. And I would, as her being a Tolkien expert, I would love to know what she thought of that uh, wow. interpretation of yeah. Middle Earth. Can we call yeah. it that? If we asked her that question, she might storm off, throw down her headset and walk out of our studio. Mm. But so our plan is then is we'll do the interview on apologetics and the Christian imagination. Then we'll have her back to do the one on Tolkien's faith. But then at the very end of that one, 
will ask about Rings of Power because that way if she gets angry and never wants to talk to us again, at least we've gotten a couple interviews out of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so you know I had to bring it up. I'm sorry. So here's a few reading assignments for you listeners out there and listener lad. Unbelievable by Justin Brierly, Paul Gould's book, A Good and True Story, Holly Ordway's book, Apologetics and the Christian Imagination. And that should keep you up to date for some of the future interviews. Now, if there's interviews with folks you would like to hear from, just shoot us an email at podcast at apologetics315 and we'll try to make it happen. Chad, in a minute or two, I want to talk about a few thoughts about a la last few interviews. I have three that I wanted to chat about. But first, right. I wanted to introduce a segment called the recommended iPad thingy that's awesome. Wow, that, that's a really catchy name. You should Thanks. get that on a t-shirt. Thanks. If you like having a digital Bible and the convenience of that, but you wish you could write on it and not type on it, you see, I want to go to the paper Bible because I'm like, oh, I want to write notes. I want to turn pages. I want to feel like I'm interacting. But you just can't get past the convenience of like an iPhone Bible. So that's kind of stinks, yeah. you know. I found the perfect solution. It's basically a combination of an app and a PDF. So if you have an iPad, the app is called GoodNotes. Now, I've used it for years for keeping notebooks, and it's probably the best note-taking, notebook-keeping apps if you have an Apple Pencil. If you go to RemarkableBible.com, you can download a free Net Bible, the Net NET version of the Bible, which I actually really like that version anyway. You download it on PDF, and it's got double spacing and extra wide margins, and it's formatted just right so that you can put it on your iPad then use either your remarkable tablet or your tablet you can write on a PDF with, like this GoodNotes app. And you can highlight, underline, write all your notes. You can zoom in. And then it's hyperlinked too. So you can just find scriptures as quickly as you could with a digital Bible. So it's almost like the best of both worlds. This is maybe the way to go. So I'll link to that. The app is GoodNotes for iPad, uh, remarkablebible.com. So, yep, that's the recommended iPad thingy. That's awesome. Man, that's a great name. We should start having that segment every week. You could you could really go somewhere with that. I mean, the franchise rights alone would make you rich beyond your wildest dreams. All right. Well, a couple thoughts on the last batch of interviews. You know, uh, there was that one day, Chad, we recorded both Hugh Ross and Perry Marshall back to back. Yes. And then we released them week after week. I, I love that both those interviews together were so enjoyable. Now they were both mm -hmm. great standalone, but for me, sure. I got so much out of first I go to Hugh Ross and he's talking all about the design of everything in the physical world, like physics and certain design features of the planet, the moon, the magnetic fields, the need for comets to restore the water in the atmosphere. And I was like, wow, that was cool. And then we go talk to Perry Marshall about how the cell has information in it and there's DNA and there's code and you can't just add noise and create instructions for cells. So those two interviews together for me were just really cool because I, I just reflected so much the following week or two in re-listening to them and like, yeah, man, that, that is just so, so beautiful, you know, from the cells to the solar system. 
Oh, nice. That was my impression. I wanted to get your impression. And then I do have thoughts on Evolution 2.0. Yeah, uh, no, I agree with you. Doing those interviews back to back was was really cool, very engaging. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I love Hugh Ross's approach of showing how, you know, each day we have more and more evidence for the fine tuning and how everything between from from the universe down to the core down to the core is uh, finely tuned. You know, the book is a bit technical, but I, I feel like talking to him is is very accessible and he's very clear and engaging and kind to talk to. And so I really enjoyed that. And he was another person that I've always wanted to interview and got a, I got to ask him a few questions I've always wanted to ask him. One of the things I liked about the the Perry Marshall interview is is just it made me think about I don't know if you've I know you've listened to probably all or most of Dr. Craig's debates. And do you remember when his opponents would bring up evolution? <laughs> yeah, I know what you're going to say. And yeah, <laughs> and he would always refer to that book, The Anthropic Principle by Barrow and Tipler. And uh, he would show like statistically how if even if evolution were true, it, it would be have to be an argument you know, for the existence of God. And I always used to think that, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of just a rhetorical kind of device. It really doesn't deal with the, the question at hand, but I really found myself walking away from the Perry Marshall interview going, well, if he's right, then that point that Craig made is valid, you know, in the sense yeah, of, that's, that's right. Uh, if it is true, then it requires a designer. And so it doesn't yeah. get you anywhere. That those were a couple impressions I had. I yeah. will say, Stephen Meyer's arguments are not God of the Gaps. Yeah, they're yeah, not. Yeah. And yeah. anybody familiar with his work knows he uses inference to the best explanation, which is a valid process of reasoning that all philosophers use. And yeah. so uh, that was my only kind of quibble with uh, the Perry Marshall interview. Is is that's yeah. just not the case. God of the Gap is. Well, we don't know how we got this, so we're just going to plug God in there. Uh, Meyer is arguing from what we do know. And then also, of course, if Stephen Meyer is using God of the Gaps reasoning, one could argue that Perry's using evolution of the Gaps reasoning. Yeah. Because their reasoning is is similar, if that makes sense. Yeah, I also disagree with uh, that representation of Stephen Meyer's approach. When it comes to the evolution 2.0 stuff, there were a few things that I came away with. One was that I kept saying to myself or and, and you, Chad, I said, you know, I can't really disagree with anything within the book. It's almost as if I am reading something like Signature in the Cell or some intelligent design book because you're basically describing all the different information and coding and decoding and transcription routines and uh, algorithms that the, the cells and DNA does to preserve information and replicate it and instruct the organism to build and keep self-replicating in a highly detailed way. And you can't ascribe that to randomness. And so all through the book, I was thinking, well, why don't you just call yourself intelligent design? But now I think, oh, well, Perry's got to the point where he is like saying, no, the, uh, it's so designed that it can do this stuff without guidance. It's, it's basically everything is needed to build everything up and cells are smart and they're going to adapt and they're going to create themselves. And in, in the sense of 
build organisms that can really adapt and change to the environment. In that sense, I guess where I, I'm not persuaded would be where it feels like a jump to me to say, well, here's all the things that cells can do. And um, now we can accept what creationists would call the molecules to man sort of view. I don't know how you can make that jump. I don't think you can backwards extrapolate like that, because if the cell is that smart, then let's just keep artificially selecting uh, dogs and keep artificially selecting them and they're going to create something let's eventually we're going to come up with something great like um a dog man or something you know if you can't extrapolate yeah. forward with the mechanisms that are within the cell how could you extrapolate backward from smaller simpler things to man so i think that there is evidence of bciation and things like that but unless you have like transitional forms maybe if you will to show that there has been that much of a progression from one thing to the next, then it's on an unwarranted jump. The intelligent design crew, it seems to me, would say things like the Cambrian explosion, there had to have been some sort of infusion of new information, new body plans suddenly come about, this suddenly comes about and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. that's my thoughts on that. I really appreciate the fact that if it is true, it is certainly designed because it certainly isn't random. You know what I mean? That, right. That's yes. that's the main takeaway is that, hey, if Perry's right, evolution is doing this uh, in a way that is certainly not random and purposeless. There, there is teleology to the evolution, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm really, really thankful that we had the opportunity to speak to people like Hugh Ross and Perry Marshall. They're, they're great guys. They're really yes. um, trying to do the best work they possibly can. They, they love God and, and are seeking hard after him. And, and I appreciate that about them as well. So thanks, listeners, for a cornucopia. No, no, a horn of plenty. A horn of plenty. Yes. A very bountiful podcast this week. We'll be watching Mandalorian season three. Speaking of bounty. We'll be hunting for that. Well, thank you listeners for being with us and we will see you next week when we speak to Justin Brierley. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to address or just a message for us, feedback, good or bad, you can either email us at podcast at apologetics315.com or leave a voice message for us using SpeakPipe. Just go to speakpipe.com slash apologetics315 to leave us a message. And remember, if you include a Ghostbusters quote in your question, we guarantee that we'll read it on the podcast. And we also ensure up to 50% better quality answers. Also, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please leave a review in iTunes or the podcast platform of your choice. And please share this episode with a friend if you found it useful. Remember, you can find lots of apologetics resources at apologetics315.com, along with show notes for today's episode. Find Chad's apologetics stuff over at Truthbomb Apologetics, that's truthbomb.blogspot.com. This has been Brian Auten and Chad Gross for the Apologetics 315 podcast, and thanks for listening.